Please turn again with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. Back to Isaiah chapter 9. Brian, it's good to have you in the service with us this morning. Is there anything that you wanted to say? Michelle, it's good to see you this morning. I, I prayed for you last week. I know it was a tough week for you as well. Uh, okay. <laughs> Isaiah chapter number 9. Last week we looked at the prophetic characteristics of Christ. And today we're going to look at them again. Just a little closer. Is that all right? I hope it's all right because that's the only message I've got here this morning. But I mean, last week we kind of looked at a broad view. We're going we're to get in a little, little closer this, view, this, this, this morning and see exactly what took place. And God, it might change my mind, but next week, you know what we're, where we might be again next week? Isaiah chapter 9. This, I mean, it is just loaded with Christmas miracles and, and the wonder of God. Amen? I remember church as a child, uh, the excitement of Christmas. And I, I, I've told y'all in times past, I, I still struggle because I, I want to be, I want, us, I want to still be excited about it Christmas. And Amy gets on me, she, she just reminds me all the time, Angel, where's your joy? Where's your jo-? You remember that message I preached not long ago? Don't let Satan steal your joy. It was right before revival. Where's your joy at? But it's, it's hard for me at Christmas because everything is gone from when I was a child. And she's reminded me, well, we, we need to make new traditions with the grandchildren. We did this past week, last weekend. It was a great tradition. It was a loud tradition at my house, but it was a great, great tradition I hope we continue with. Uh, I always remember the, the, the way my mom would, would decorate the house. And she was one of those women who went above and beyond. We didn't have just a, a Christmas tree. We, we had the, the macrame plant hangers coming down with bows on them. We had garland all the way around the, the, the staircase, going down the staircase. We had our uh, stockings hung on there. We, we had, uh, I mean, Christmas ornaments, knickknacks all over the house. We had those plastic, I don't even, Art Deco uh, things stuck on our bedroom doors. We had Christmas trees in the bathroom. We had them in, we, we had them in our bedroom. I had my little ceramic Christmas tree and Rudolph. And my, I mean, there was Christmas decorations everywhere. I, I don't know how long it took her to decorate, but we had to undecorate in a day. That ought to be against the law. It really should. I, I remember all my, my favorite food smells in the house. Uh, I, I remember one particular Christmas Eve when we were doing our Christmas with our, our larger family, uh, Ma Klutz was with us, and that was my uncle's mom, and dad had this plethora of food all over, and, and Ma Klutz said, I sure would like some of your brim fillets, so we lived on Lake Wiley, and we always had, a, you know, an ample supply of brim in the, the, the freezer. He went downstairs to the freezer, thaw out, thawed out brim, and cooked Y'all, we had brim fillets on Christmas Eve. Hallelujah. I mean, that, ain't nothing wrong with that. Ricky Tyre, is there anything wrong with that? I, I, I just remember those things. I, I, tell me if y'all can relate with this. I, I posted on Facebook this past week, I made some of my mom's, my mom's cookies. They're lady fingers. Desi, I'll get you the recipe. Uh, 
And it's the first time I've done it on my own ever, but it's the first time I've done it, period, since I was like 10, 11 years old. And they was good, y'all. They, they was good. I mean, I try to, up to the days of Christmas and Thanksgiving, I try to, you know, not eat sweets and all that. I, I've been eating sweets, y'all. But they, 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 were, they, they were really good. Uh, but I remember one year with mom, she, she was always, she'd experiment with stuff. And the week before Christmas, that's when she did all her baking. She always made Toll House uh, uh, chocolate chip cookies with pecans, not cons, pecans. And she'd make those ladyfingers. She'd make some fudge with, again, pecans, Chris, not cons. But one particular year, y'all, she tried to make cheese rings. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The, like the spicy cheddar rings that you get like in downtown Savannah? And I was downstairs in my room, I was probably cleaning, uh, preparing, but this aroma filled the air conditioning or the, you know, the, the air ducts. And I couldn't figure out what it was at first because I knew Bill, I knew she was, you know, making Christmas goodies. It was bad. <laughs> it wasn't burnt. It was bad though. And, and I remember the whole, any of y'all ever cooked those things? Any of y'all made the Christmas rings, you know, the cheese rings? Not the cheese balls. Cheese straws. Y'all, have y'all made those? The whole house stunk. So I go upstairs to try and feel, <coughs> Mom, what are, what are you making? And, and she said, oh, they're cheese rings. Don't they smell delicious? And I started gagging, y'all. I had to get out of the house. She never made those things again. Now, I will say on a later, you know, they were, they were good when they weren't stinking up the house. I remember the anticipation of my grandparents coming on Christmas Eve. I, the, my, my fondest Christmas ever was the first year I was a Christian. And I had the bright idea amongst all my heathen family to, to read the Christmas story on Christmas Eve and, and tried to tell my family about why the story meant so much to me. I, I remember that. Now this year, church, this year, we are all at some point going to reflect on our Christmas past. All of us, we just naturally do it. We'll, we'll think of the old days of, of those who were with us then, who were no longer with us anymore. We'll think of, of family traditions that are forever gone, maybe. Have you ever thought, though, about what Christmas might be in the future? You ever thought about that? What Christmas might be in the future? Now, I'm sure that many of us have not given a whole lot of thought to Christmas of the future. But today, I want, to see a, I want you to see a person again that we saw last week who looked through the portals of time and saw just a small glimpse of the very first Christmas. Now, John, as I sat and thought about this, you know, men at times, we're, we're not, we don't go into a lot of detail. We just, you know, explain the story and that's it. We don't embellish, we don't, we just brass tacks, here it is. I wonder how much more Isaiah might have seen that he did not disclose. Y'all ever wonder about that? I mean, he just, you know, just spits it out. But he saw it to shine to 800 years before it took place. Now, Brother Kyle, you hit that last week. I, I mean, I got to hit it again. 800 years before Jesus stepped foot on this earth. So this morning, let's, let's look again. One man looks back 
or looks into the future. We're just going to, we, we looked at a lot of it last week. We're just going to look at chapter 9, verse 6 this morning. And Isaiah records, for a child will be born, what are those next two words? For us. For us. 800 years before Jesus came and from that point in time to this point in time, that is still relevant, guess, guess to who? To us. He was born for us. A son will be given, 800 years now, will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, bless us this morning. Bless us with your presence, your power, your majesty. Help us be filled with your wonder. God, because of who you are, forgive us of our sins and where we fail you, Lord. We need to, we need to feel you this morning. Please be with us right now. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said, amen. amen. This one man, Isaiah, one man looks into the future in Isaiah 9, 6. The first thing we need to see here is that I, Isaiah, was not thinking about tomorrow. This prophecy, again, was going to take place almost 800 years later. Brother Kyle, why do you keep saying that? Because it's amazing to me. Is it not amazing to you? It's unbelievable. 800 years later after he writes these words, Isaiah's eyes were fixed with amazement on the very first Christmas. Again, I wonder, I wonder what all he saw with this prophetic vision that God gave him. I wonder if he saw everything and just wrote down in, in just these few words summed up exactly what he saw. I wonder if he saw them getting the notice of being taxed and them having to go to Bethlehem. I wonder if he saw not being accepted at the end. I wonder if he saw them giving birth in the manger. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And that's what's so wonderful about Christmas, the wonder of it all. What did Isaiah see that made him write down for all, the, for all history's generations to know? Well, listen to what he wrote. He, he wrote, unto us, unto us a child is born. He saw God revealing himself to this world coming as a child. That's pretty specific, isn't it? He saw it and he wrote it. I'm, not, I'm glad he didn't, you know, you know get simple with, with, with this, this, this knowledge. He said, a child, for unto us a child was born. He saw that a child would be born for us all. There's nobody that Jesus didn't come to this earth for. Nobody. Listen, people might exclude Jesus, but Jesus has never been exclusive, exclusive for one, one group of people. He didn't just come for the Baptist. He didn't just come for the Methodists or the Pentecostals. He came for us all. But as we know in Scripture, you know, future, the world wouldn't receive him. 
He came. And all, Sister Sue, all we had to do was receive him. But the majority of the world doesn't. Scripture tells us that hell is, is, is broadening daily because of rejection of the child who came and gave himself to us. But our scripture this morning also says this, unto us a son, a son was given, given, given. To, what, what did we do to earn it? Nothing. What can we do to earn it? Nothing. It was given to us. Y'all, I've had some pretty bad Christmas presents throughout the years. Y'all, y'all ever, ever get those Christmas presents and you just scratch your head and you wonder why? Why? Why do I'll never forget, and my, my aunts still laugh about this. We, we do Christmas presents. We used to do, well, they still do. I hadn't been in years. I spend Christmas, I mean, Thanksgiving with my mother. But on the Friday after Thanksgiving, or the Saturday after Thanksgiving, we exchange Christmas presents, and they're, they're simple presents. But, but I'll never forget, Wendy, my, my Aunt Iris gave me one year for Christmas. You remember this? You remember what she gave me? What, 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 what would you give to me that, that I wouldn't need? Now, I like fruitcake. My aunt, my aunt gave me, Mary Beth, you ready? Hold Bob's hand. She gave me a hairbrush. Brian, can you believe that? And she wasn't trying to be funny, but in her mind, I mean, I was still a little, you know, a child, and I had, I guess, you know, I guess I hadn't seen her in a year or so, and I, I opened that present, and I just, I threw it on the ground. I said, what am I going to do with this? Are you trying to be funny? <laughs> I, I've been given some, some gifts I just don't understand. And this might be one, church. I mean, what, what did we do to deserve this gift? I mean, you think about it. A lot of people give you gifts, and, and we you're, here in the next week or so, y'all are going. This is going to happen to y'all. I promise you, because I, I see it happen in my house. We'll just go and we'll get something because we don't know what to get. Just get them something. Get get them a, 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 a gift card, or you know, give give them something so you can get. You don't know what to give them. There's not a whole lot of thought into it. Do you understand the thought that God gave when He gave this earth His Son? My goodness. He looked down with love at this earth and how it was struggling, not only under the Roman government, but under their own self-regulated rules. His own people were suffering. And he says, I, I, I want to give them something that's going to help them more than anything, something they need the most. Son, are you ready? Are you ready? It's time. They've suffered enough. And a son was given to us. Church, a son <coughs> would carry on the name of the one who conceived him. That's Jewish tradition. He would carry on the name of one who conceived him. Well, who conceived him? God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. He would carry on that name. The son was going to be born, church, as a gift to the world. The word given is translated from the Greek word Nathan, the name which means give, bestow, grant, permit, ascribe, employ, devote, consecrate, dedicate, pay, listen, pay wages. Did y'all catch that? Pay wages. Whose wages? 
our wages. Our wages. It's amazing this son was, was born, but it, it's even more amazing that he was given to us. Almost 800 years before Christ came into this world, God told Isaiah that he was going to give <coughs> this son as a gift to the world for all of the world. Church, God knew we needed his son and was willing to give up his son. Could you do this? Could you do this? I, I was reminded as I wrote these words, a story of I, I told years ago in here. Th there was a, I mean, it, it almost sounds like the days we're living in, but there was an unknown uh, airborne virus <coughs> that was devastating the world. And scientists spent months trying to figure out, I mean, people were dying left and right. Hundreds of millions of people were dying. And they, they couldn't figure out what in the world scientists just, you know, they, they studied and studied and studied and they figured that the only way to stop this virus and, and create something that would stop it was through the blood. But it was a certain type of blood, a very rare blood, so the scientists sought out uh, who in the world, you know, th th who, who had this blood type. And this man was reading the article and he saw that that's, that's my son's blood type. So he contacted the scientist and they rushed him by air, first class air, flew a plane to the science center and, and they met with the family and they, they brought papers out to sign and they said, sir, we need you to sign these papers. And he said, well, what, tell me exactly what he said. You just need to sign them. We've got to hurry. This is very, this is very important. He says, well, what does this, sign, this say? He says, well, we're going we're gonna to take your son's blood and, and save the world with his blood. And, and, and the father looked and he says, how much of the blood are you going to take? He says, we need it all. Could you sign those papers? Would you sign those papers? God signed those papers for you and for me. He comes to the third characteristic. <clears throat> Isaiah says this. He says, he's wonderful. He's, he's wonderful. The Greek word here is pele, P-E-L-E, which means wonder, extraordinary wonder, hard to understand, wonderful. Plainly put, the words mean, means full of wonder. <coughs> how, 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 Angie, how do you describe that? Just full of wonder. I've heard people try to explain it, but I've never heard anybody better explain this right here than by a lady by the name of Ann Graham Lotz. Y'all know her? That's Billy Graham's daughter? Ann Graham Lotz explains the wonder of Christ like this. He is enduringly strong. 
He is entirely sincere. He is eternally steadfast. He is immortally gracious. He is imperially powerful, impartially merciful. He, he is the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of the globe. He, he is God's son and the sinner's savior. He, he is the captive's ransom. He is the breath of life. He is the centerpiece for all civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. Think about that for a second. Woo! He stands in the solitude of himself. He is all God and all man. He is unparalleled and unprecedented. He is undisputed and undefiled. He is unmeasured and unshakable. He is the lofty idea of philosophy, the highest personality of psychology, the supreme subject in all of literature, the unavoidable problem and higher criticism. He is the fundamental doctrine of theology. He is the cornerstone, the capstone, and the stumbling stone of all religion. He is the God of the second chance, the fat chance, the slim chance, and the no chance. I can't get him out of my mind, and I can't get him out of my heart. I can't, get, I can't outlive him, and I can't live without him. The Pharisees could not stand him, but found that they could not stop him. Satan tried to tempt him, but found he could not trip him. Pilate examined him, put him on trial, but found no fault in him. The Romans crucified him, but they could not take his life. Jesus could not, uh, excuse me, death could not handle him, and the grave could not hold him. Just give me Jesus. Church, I, I believe this small glimpse of the wonder Isaiah was trying to explain about the Christ child of Christmas. It's, it's an unbelievable wonder. But Isaiah uses another word. He uses the word counselor to describe this Christ child. Now, the, the Greek word here is yachts, Y-A-A-T-S, which means to advise, consult, to give counsel, to counsel, to propose, devise, or to plan. Do you, do you know what this means? It's easy. This is deep. Bailey, you ready? <clears throat> he has the answers. Dan, that's deep, isn't it? He has the answers. He knows the answers, and he is the answers to all our problems. There is no man, woman, psychologist, sociologist, psychiatrist, no wise man, no pastor, no priest, no deacon, no religion that can help you like Jesus can. None. Now, what does this mean for us? Lean on him. Lean on him. Trust him and rely on him. Give your problems to Jesus. Give up knowing he is going to take care of your needs. Listen to me. In his time. Not our time. In his time. 
Church, there is no one on earth more qualified to help you in the entire world than this Jesus, the counselor. Nobody. I've got to move. Isaiah next uses the phrase, the, the, the mighty God to characterize this Christ child. What does this mean? The, the, the meaning only and one and only one. One. There is no other. There, there's not going to be anybody else. Nobody else is coming. He is the Messiah. He was the Messiah. He'll ever be the Messiah. Don't look around the corner because he's not there. He's in heaven. When he comes again, you better be ready because only one came. There is no other power greater than him as we look at the mighty God. Isaiah's next characteristic of Christ is everlasting Father. And I think we jump over this one, Bill, too quick. We, 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 we try to get past it quick, real quick, but we don't need to. Because those of us who don't have a father here on earth anymore, this should sink in with us. He is the everlasting Father. This does, listen, our fathers here on this earth have a body made of flesh, and all flesh must come to an end. But this Christ child is our everlasting Father. Do you know what this means? Never-ending love. It doesn't end. I loved my dad, and my dad loved me. We had a strange relationship, but when he died, I, I mean, I, I can still sense him, but I can't feel that. This is a love that never ends. Never-ending comfort, never-ending counsel. I wish that I could have picked up my phone over throughout the years and called my dad and asked him some questions. A man truly isn't a man until he can't pick up the phone and ask his dad for advice. But it means something else. Never-ending protection. I know my dad and I had a strange relationship, but I promise you this, if he found out, out that I was in trouble and somebody was against me, he would have been right there ever-ending protection but it means never-ending supply of fatherly knowledge church understand christ wants to be your father but you must let him you gotta let him you gotta let him too often we don't he's our last resort instead of our first resort Isaiah's lastly characterized Christ with the words Prince of Peace. Now, church, this, this doesn't mean that bad things are not going to happen. Y'all realize that, right? It does mean that if you are at peace with Christ, he will give you peace to cope with anything that life throws your way. It, and Angela said it a few minutes ago, everybody's got a problem. Everybody's going through something. Everybody has an issue. Everybody has a fear. Right? It's not bigger than God. It's not bigger than Jesus. Is the peace of God dwelling in you and with you? 
if, if it is, your life will testify, listen church, to that peace. It will. When somebody looks at you and says, are you okay? Well, not, not really, but I, I can feel the peace of God in me. And your life is going to reflect that. How do you know? Because mine has in times past. How do you know? Because mine hasn't in times past. We, we need to cling to this peace, amen? That only the Prince of Peace can bring. As I thought about this, one of the most horrible stories I've ever heard in all my life. Young people do stupid stuff, don't they? <clears throat> one of the most devastating stories I've ever heard in all my life was these, these two young men, for some strange reason, they, they, were, they had just had some malicious thoughts in their mind, and they went to the grocery store at, at, at night, and they bought a turkey frozen turkey and they took that frozen turkey and they went to an overpass and they threw it off the bridge to an oncoming car it went through the windshield and hit a lady in the face and just I mean it just messed her up bad I mean she had all kinds of surgeries this is a true story y'all remember hearing about this and they finally came to trial and the judge was about to pass sentence. And he says, is there anybody in the courtroom who'd like to, to speak on behalf of these boys before I pass sentence? And this woman got up and she struggled with her walker to the podium. And she said, your honor, I am the lady who has suffered these past couple years because of the mistake these boys made. I'm at peace with what's happened, and I beg you to give them mercy. That's the peace that should dwell within all of us. Amen? This morning, don't you want to know this Christ child that was prophesied about some 800 years before he came to this earth? Don't you want to know this wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace? If you don't know him, you can know him right now during this time of invitation. Let's all stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, we pray that you would do only what you can do and you would move during this time of invitation. Help those of us who are saved to remember who we are through this scripture. And Lord, if there's somebody here who's never accepted you as their personal Savior, God, I pray that the day will be the day of their salvation. That they'll understand the love that you have for them through the scriptures we just dissected this morning. Be with us right now. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you want to come and just spend some time at the altar? This time is for you. Will you come?